who's got questions? We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create meaningful, hot, and healthy sexual and, and intimate relationships. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. And today the letter is K, and K is for kink. Joining me is Farrow Kafra. He's a leatherman and master with over 20 years experience in the real-time BDSM and fetish communities. He's co-led munches in, Atl- in the Atlanta area, facilitated webinars, taught classes at a ton of different conventions and conferences, on everything from DS and MS and authority transfer dynamics to polyamory um, to specific play techniques um, to erotic writing over the years. He's the co-head of household of House Kemenisu, a fully patched member of the Leather Houses of Color Coalition. Pharaoh is also an accomplished published author writing under the pen name of Shakira Shan with over two dozen credits to his catalog. He's a featured author of two New York Times bestselling anthologies and a national bestselling author of two signature series, the Nubian Underworld and the Kink PI series. And he has an upcoming, and I mean very, very soon to be out novel called Love, Lust and Beautiful Liars. His novels have been nominated for various awards, including several NLA-I's Pauline Reyes Award nominations. And Farrow resides in Fairburn, Georgia, with his wife, Empress Nahara. Welcome to the show, Farrow. Thanks for having me. Okay, so um, so I get asked loads of questions about um, kink from a, lot, a variety of perspectives. I mean, I know we'll talk about um, power exchange dynamics, but when you think of the word kink, what does that encompass for you? God, it could be anything and everything from just different play aspects, different uh, different tools of the trade. It's a lot. I mean, it's a it's 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 a wide paradigm of different things for the most part. I mean, you're looking at those that have uh, that 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 have a kink that have kink related uh, fetishes for uh, God. It's just it's hard to even start with one, so to speak. I mean, you're looking at those that have uh, a, a, an affinity for fire, uh, an affinity for wax, an affinity for rope, uh, chains, and, and 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 all the different things that encompass those particular implements to be able to incorporate inside of the actual scene. Um, it just depends on who depends on who you talk to, for the most part. I mean, for me. Even for me personally, it's 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 wax, it's fire, it's chains, it's floggers, it's just barehanded spanking. It could be a variety of different things. It just depends on what my mood is at that moment. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and so for people who kind of have wondered what kink is and what we mean by that, usually, I mean, we it's pretty much accepted that anything that isn't sort of heteronormative um, sex. So um, a limited number of positions of intercourse um, and your garden variety 
um, other activities. So, um, and I'm not saying these aren't fun, so please don't think I'm running them down, but, you know, but like things like oral sex and, um, and using your hands and masturbation, mutual masturbation and things, like that would be considered kind of not kink, but you can yep. do things with that to make it kinky, but that Absolutely. would, you know, that would be considered not kink. And then kink just encompasses just about everything else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, and, it, you know, I get a lot of people asking me what the important things are to think about before you start playing in this realm. Um, I mean, I, I always say that, like, really the first thing to make sure of is that you're communicating well with, some, with whoever you want to play with. That that's, the, that's, you know, step number one is, is that you're able to talk to somebody and have a conversation, a detailed conversation about sex and about play. Yeah, agreed. Um, a lot of the, I think the communication aspect is always going to be important. Um, to be able to negotiate what that scene is going to look like, what those kinks may encompass within that scene. Um, it's, it's, it can't be stressed enough. Um, even when we were uh, at South Plains earlier last month, um, we had a, we had to have a, an extensive uh, negotiation session with the bottom that we were able to uh, that we were able to get uh, during that conference. We may have had two conversations with her before we even saw her in person. So having that hour long conversation before the class even started was paramount because it gave us an idea as to what she liked what we liked be able to encompass all of that at the same time figure out what what boundaries not to cross what boundaries could be crossed um a lot of the things that could be done not done it it all encompasses that when it comes to communication and and, and consent um you have no choice but to incorporate those two um that literally can't be stressed enough i think i said that at least three or four times, even during the scening class that we did um, in that particular instance, it just could not be stressed enough at that point, because as much as everybody loves to say that, you know, what we do is dangerous. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, we need to ensure that, you know, even with the danger that's involved, it can still be, it can still be safe. It can still be sexy. That's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, um, I talk with people about a lot is that, you know, in every part of our relationships, we should be risk assessing and risk assessing isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? We're not talking about it like, Oh my God, this is risky and and be frightened and, and be anxious and pull away. But the idea is to look at a situation and to say, here are the risks involved in this situation. What risks am I willing to take on? And what am I not? What are the benefits of going ahead? What are the potential problems of going ahead? And we should be doing that not only about the activities that we undertake, but in terms of whether we're going to be involved with a particular person. And that's part of you know, what happens when you're negotiating is you're also risk assessing. So, you know, you're getting the measure of somebody. Um, Is this somebody who's going to um, agree, stay within the boundaries of the agreed upon consent? Is this somebody who's likely to push that? And I think um, for people listening, a lot of times people assume that, that when someone violates consent, it is the person who is the dominant, the top, the master, right? The one who is in control of the scene, that's the one who would violate and that the person on the bottom wouldn't. But, you know, there are just as many consent violations 
from the people who are in the submissive role, the bottom role. So both people are assessing that. Is this person going to keep their word? Are, you know, are they going to be upfront? Are they going to be honest? Are they capable of communicating? Yeah, and that's the other thing. Because even during the scene itself, there may be some things that may happen during the scene that may have that bottom not be able to communicate properly. Um, and even 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 if you've done your due diligence to make sure that you've watched for every key, every signal that could possibly happen, they could literally, because they want to keep the scene going, they try to pull false positives sometimes. You know, oh, yeah. where they, you know, where they will literally say that they're they're okay to move forward, knowing good and well that they're not, and they're doing their best to try and hide whatever warning signs, whatever red flags, whatever uh, you know, whatever signals that are supposed to give the top and experienced top anyway the ability to say, "Hey, wait a minute, we need to shut this down." Well, and you know, it's one of those things. Um, there's a lot of reasons why somebody might wa might want to. Um, pretend that they they're okay and really want to push something forward. I mean, one of the reasons is that that part of it's fun and they're wanting that fun. And another, but another reason is they don't want to disappoint, and that's a big one. A lot of times, if people, you know, the interaction is such that they don't want to disappoint the person they're playing with, and so um, they'll kind of not be honest about where they are, either physically or mentally. Um, and so, you know, if you're playing with somebody that you don't have a long-standing relationship with, that you don't know well, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have safe words. That's that's one of the reasons, and safe signs, why we agree those things, because everybody gets into things and you, it, it's not always obvious. And so those are the ways that we're able to flag up, hey, um, either I need you to back off a little bit or, wow, this needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, we are four minutes before the break, believe it or not. Wow. This thing wow. always goes fast. Um, but when we come back from the break, I want to talk about playing without, um, you know, flying without a net, playing without a safe word. Um, you and I both have experience with this, so we can talk about it well. Um, but other people think that it's absolutely an insane thing to do. Um, I, I have a funny viewpoint on that. I think if you don't know somebody, you absolutely need safe words because you, you can't assess their emotions. You don't know how they express themselves. You don't know how they look physically when they're having difficulty. But I sometimes think that safe words um, actually get in the way of making informed decisions when you do know someone because it, it, people rely on, on hearing that word or using that word sometimes instead of staying completely tuned into what's going on. You have to understand the concept of social conditioning and we're not immune to it within the kink and leather community. Of course when not. you're dealing with social conditioning, we've been socially conditioned for the last 30 plus years over the concept of sane, safe, and safe, sane, and consensual. Yeah. Within that, safe word comes into play within that SSC concept. So the fact that we've been socially conditioned for this entire time that, you know, we've got to be as safe as humanly possible and safe words are the bedrock of that first word in, in that SSC concept that it almost becomes a point to where it can be debilitating if you're not careful. Um, there's an evolution to being able to have that safe word melt away within play. Um, the evolution is always a matter of Trust begets familiarity, familiarity breeds trust. 
So yeah. there's that in that particular regard. So as you've learned, as you've begun to learn, as you continue to learn, there's a there's sometimes a need where it's no longer necessary uh, to use it. But to the outsider looking in, it's like, oh, wait a minute, what the hell? Yeah, they're flying without a net. And it, it's interesting to me, too, because people people forget that you can still, you know, you if you have your voice, and people don't always, but you can still say in detail what the fuck is going on for you, right? Like, you need not sort of think all I can say is red, if that's your saying. You can say, um, this feels too much, but I want to go on. This doesn't, you know, you can actually put it out there as you're in the scene, as long as you're capable of talking. Well, it's a matter now, it's a matter then of being able to have the non-communicative clues and, you know, the non-verbal cues and that type of thing. So, but again, that goes into the negotiations perspective of, okay, if you get too far gone, but where you can still at least tap three times on, on a piece yeah. of furniture or something along those lines to give me an idea of, okay, I need to slow down. I need to check on you something, something, anything. Absolutely. It actually so, helps them. It helps a lot more, but it does not necessarily take away the whole safe word concept. It just takes away the ability to verbalize it. Absolutely. So we will be back after this break, um, and we're going to talk more about this. We'll talk about flying without a net, um, and then I want to talk about some specific kinks because um, I've got some questions because people do write in with questions. All right. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. This is part two of K is for kink. And I have the amazing Farrah Kafra with me. 
um, before the break, we were talking about safe words and not safe words. And I said we would talk about flying without a net. So I personally prefer um, to fly without a net, but then I don't do pickup play. So right. I, don't, I don't play with people. Rarely do I play with somebody that I haven't known for some period of time. There are the occasions where I will play with somebody um, that I don't know terribly well. And one of the, one of the, I, when I did eyes for impact play a few weeks ago with um, Hardy Haberman, he was talking about the fact that the way that he works, I mean, he keeps a, a running dialogue up through the entire scene and it's, it, he talks dirty through the entire scene. That he does. I've heard stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but he said that he likes that much better than a safe word. He'll actually have, he says that, um, if if um, things are going well, he pe asks people to address him one way, and if they're if they're having trouble, they change the form of address, mm -hmm. and that's the signal for him. And so he's constantly checking. But for him, it, it's it's having all of the eroticism with it. Agreed. Whereas, uh, kind of a straightforward safe word takes kind of in his experience, breaks things in a way that he doesn't like, breaks the scene in a way that he doesn't like. He said he, because he's much more likely to get somebody to be able to pull back so mm -hmm. that he can, they can keep going. Whereas when somebody does use their safe word in a scene and it's not, they're not using, like if they're using um, red, red and yellow, it's like traffic lights, right? So yellow is slow down and red is stop. So when somebody right, right. does use red in a scene, and if they're not able to use yellow and they use red, all action stops. And so um, what he was saying, and I agree, is that that can be quite unfortunate because it doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't have been able to bring it back. Mm -hmm. But at that point, because everything stops, you break that energy. And so that yeah. usually means everything's over. Yeah, and I, I think that's the other half of it at that point is that because you've built so much momentum and you're 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 trying to build the wave, so to speak, yeah. um, within the actual scene itself. When you get to a point where that's sometimes, like I said, sometimes the safe work can can break the momentum. Sometimes it can actually just slow it down to a you know to a certain point to where you can kind of switch gears, uh, going in a different direction, figure out what needs to be done, that type of thing. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a full-blown conversation where the scene actually stops. Hmm. But people do think we're crazy when we work without a safe word, don't they? That's going back to the social conditioning I was saying right before the break because of the fact that we're, we're just we're, we're listening for it almost, you know, especially it's almost to the point where it's like the the safe word is not necessarily meant for the players involved. It's really more for the audience that's viewing the scene in and of itself. So, you know, you, you I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, you know, people who would have a visceral reaction to a scene. And next thing you know, they're going to find a dungeon monitor so they can try and, you know, have that, that dungeon monitor stop the scene because it's making them uncomfortable as opposed to the players that are actually involved in the actual scene. So there's all of that that can, that comes into play at that point. It's almost like they're projecting their own uh, their own hard limits onto another onto the scene that they're watching, as opposed to just enjoying the scene for what it is. 
Well, so, it's not even almost like it is. Is definitely that is what they are doing. They project their their limits, their beliefs about kink and BDSM, their mm-hmm. beliefs about what is acceptable in play, all onto what they're watching. Right. Um, I have unfortunately been in situ in more than one situation where the scene was stopped mm-hmm. and um, and interrupted by a dungeon monitor and. Um, that's almost more damaging, right, than anything it, else. It is because you're being yanked from the nexus for all intents and purposes. Yep. You know, for for all my Star Trek fans, they know exactly what the fuck that means. Yes. But you know, at the same time, it's you're being ripped from that, and you're now all of a sudden you're completely dis disoriented. At yep. That there's there, you you have no because you've been you've been flying for so long, and then all of a sudden it's like. Now all of a sudden somebody just cut the engine and you're in complete free fall at that point. Yeah. So now you don't know what to do, how to how to function, and then all of a sudden you you you're having your own visceral reaction to the person or persons that stopped your flight. Yeah. Yeah. And often you're also being asked to um, justify something, like mm-hmm. um the scene that I was in. Um, the dungeon monitor wanted to know that I was okay. Well, I was so high trying to ask me, and I want to be clear with, with listeners. I wasn't high because of any drugs. I was high because of the endorphins that come from intense play. And I was so high that I couldn't really be very clear about what I was feeling and that I was okay. I just remember saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I wasn't convincing enough. And the poor man who was playing with me got interrogated and he'd done nothing wrong. We were absolutely, we were having a blast. We were absolutely fine. But somebody else was concerned about, um, what was they concerned about? He was about the instrument he was using, which was a mm-hmm. shambok. Okay. And shamboks are, are nasty. It, it, it makes sense now. Yeah. And um and the names he was calling me. Yeah, that also makes sense. Um, it's again you have people who have their when 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 their parameters get when their personal parameters get stretched, you know, as far as that is, it can get a bit wild. Um, that's technically the chance that you take when you're in a dungeon atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it's the one thing that we've that that I've made clear to. In some instances, there'll be times where I will go to the dungeon man and monitor myself and go, hey, this is what this scene is going to look like. It may look like it's going to be a little bit hard for people who are watching. Um, but please understand that we have had a longstanding relationship, a longstanding, you know, scening relationship, and that everything that I'm saying or doing is consented to. Yeah. But sometimes you have to take those precautions as opposed to you just jump in the middle of the spot, find a spare, uh, find a spare piece of equipment and go ahead and rock, you know, go ahead and go, go ahead and do what's necessary. Um, you, you almost beg for it at that point in well, terms and, of having a target on your back. And actually, and that's, and that's part of the reason that sometimes we all choose not to seen in, in public, you know, um, there are lots of reasons why people don't want to demonstrate their kink, even in a public kinky atmosphere. And there are pros and cons to doing it. I mean, one of the great pros is, is that you feed off the energy in the room. Absolutely. So that's, that's the reason, that's probably the main reason that any of us 
will get into a room, a big room full of people in order to play. You feed off the energy in the room. Um, if you're a voyeur, you get to watch. If you're an exhibitionist, you get to have that. So those are the kind of main reasons for bothering to be within a, um, a, a more public atmosphere. Absolutely. But the disadvantages are things like, you know, people not understanding what's going on or people being clumsy or as um, – more Loki and I experienced um, here, you know, a scene in, at a party in a dungeon where um, there were a lot of drunk people standing too close behind us. So they encroached and, you know, made it impossible to do what we were doing. So there are disadvantages to scening in, in a public situation. And that's a negotiation that has to happen too. Um, you know, I often end up in a hotel room at yeah, an event rather than in the dungeon because I play hard. Yeah, and I think that's the way with a lot of us at this point is that because we've been playing for so long and we've been playing hard for so long um, that you know you're dealing with another general, a whole another generation of keysters who now feel like that they that 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 the rules kind of the rules of engagement sort of changed now. So you know you got too many that 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 don't have a problem with um, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't have a problem with. In, in engaging in the scene um, with the two with the players that are involved, um, there are those who they're they're so they're so hyper about trying to ask questions while you're in the middle of your scene trying to figure out what you're doing that you you're, you're trying your best not to be rude, but at the same time, like dude, just get out the way. I'll, I'll holler at you when I'm done. Right. You know, more than anything else, I can't tell you how many times that we've done that, especially when she and I have been. You know, in a co-topping environment, it's almost like it's magic in the, it's, it's it's magic in front of them, and they can't try they can't understand what or how, and you know how does it look so seamless, and why does it look so? Lit? And I'm like, yo, I'll holler at you when I'm done, and then we'll talk. And I got you know, and I got plenty of time to talk to you at that time. But yeah, if I'm now in I'm room, in something. Let me be in it, right? If I'm in the if I'm in the zone, leave me in the zone, because I promise you, you won't like what you you won't like me. If you take me out of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I got um, asked um, a, a rather, I, I think it's a rather good question. And we've got two minutes before break and it's probably long enough to answer it is why do we call it play? I technically, I personally don't call it play. Um, I, I still call it scening period okay. because um, it, it, it does not give the, it doesn't give the infantilism. Uh, of the situation more right. so than anything else. When you're saying that you're seeing with someone, it's actually adult conversation at that point. When you're referring to it as play, then now all of a sudden it's fun and games until somebody gets hurt. So okay, there, there's that to consider as far as my personal philosophy on using play versus scene. Um, whether it's in my whether it's in my speech patterns, whether it's in my dialogue with regard to uh, dealing with other people, even in my own, even in my books, I don't ever say that they're playing uh, because at that point it just gives too much of a connotation that there is, um, that that nothing nothing bad's happening. So to say. right, I mean for me, um, and, and this is probably the last comment I've got time for it. But for me, um, it's adult play. Um, and the reason that I have bit come up calling it play is because we're having fun. I mean, that's the whole point. Um, and also, 
although I am sex positive, many people make a division with BDSM between BDSM and sex. And we'll talk about that when we come back and we talk more about the whole thing of kinky. Um, And so we'll see you guys in a couple of minutes after some words from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. This week is K is for kink, and this is part three, and I am with the incredible Baro Kafra. Welcome back. Absolutely. So um, we were talking about the term play, and um, and I one of the things that I was saying is that some people um, – truly prefer to divide um, BDSM, so sadomasochistic play in particular, um, from sex. And some people don't divide it from sex that includes stimulation, physical, actual touching stimulation to orgasm. So what what listeners need to understand is that a lot of people – um, become very aroused doing this with no touching of their genitals. Um, and so you can have orgasm from this. You can have orgasm that includes uh, what you would classically think of as sexual play. Um, and those who want to keep it separate will often refer to scening and play as it, so as to keep it separate. Make a line. I don't make a line because for me, I mean, this is this is what turns me on. So I, everything, you know, I do do scenes where there is no sex, but I do 
you know, I, I also do a lot of stuff where there might be both and I prefer that. So that's just me. Yeah, you're not the only one in that regard. But I think what happens a lot of times is, is that because people focus on the latter as opposed to the former, um, mm -hmm. they're so busy trying to get to the sexual component that they forget that the they forget what they got there for. And that's the other half of the equation that comes into the play into the into the idea of play aspect, so to speak. Um, within the swing community, the swingers community, you know, they equate play with sex. That's it. Period. Yeah. So that's the reason why there's there's this there there can be different philosophies, different uh, individual ideologies as to why they don't want to call it play because they don't want to they don't want they don't want them they themselves to be associated with oh well I know I'm going I know I'm going to get fucked after this scene. Right. Because some you people, may not. So some people don't want to. Some people may not desire that to be the case. But the fact that they're Equating that within a different subset of the alternative sexual paradigm, yeah. that's where it gets conflated, and then all of a sudden it becomes a problem. So yeah. when I say that I'm seeming with a with with a with a bottom, there's no connotation to be conflated at that point. No, and then that's it's something you would negotiate individually. Right, absolutely. But at the same time, there's no there, there's no assumption. Right, so then there's no there's no expectation that comes with it, and that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, so, um, you know, one of the people wrote in and said, "Well, you know, are all kinks, you know, related to sadism and masochism or power exchange?" Mm -hmm. uh, no. No. The a lot of the a lot of the kinks that are out there have very little do very little to do with sadomasochism. Or authoritative, authoritative, uh, authority transfer dynamics or power exchange dynamics, whichever you subscribe to in that regard. Um, a lot of it may just simply have a lot to do with the fact that at the end of the uh, at the end of the kink that you're enjoying, that you're getting some sexual aspect or some sexual uh, release from it. Doesn't always have to be. Doesn't always have to be, you know, uh, released in the, in the terms of orgasmic release. It can always be something where it can literally be a therapeutic experience for you in that particular regard. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I, I totally uh, pull um, needle play mm -hmm. and fire cupping as two different aspects where they will get more of a therapeutic release than they will get an orgasmic release because of the fact that fire cupping is not entirely a BDSM practice. It is a kink for people, but it also can be you can actually perform fire cupping, you know, massage therapy at, you know, in, in, in public and people won't think the wiser, you know, as far as that is. Now, needle play, not so much, but, you know, fire, you know, fire cupping is something that is more of an, more, more of that it came from the Orient, the Asian culture, and it just got brought into the alternative world because we could do a whole lot more with it. <laughs> in that particular regard. Yeah, because so, it's, it's pervertible, that's why. Yeah, it's pervertible. Everything's pervertible. I mean, that's yeah. that's that goes without saying. But at the same time, you can be it can be totally innocuous and totally perverse right. at the same time. Just depends on who's watching. Right. And you know what I think is interesting, and you mentioned needle play because because to me that's one that because um when you cut the skin, um you have an immediate rush of endorphin. 
And, and really, it, it's one of the few ones that gives you an immediate, very intense rush of endorphin. Um, and because of that, um, I often I often think of needle play as as not really kind of sexual in any way because you get high like as you would if you took an opiate, right? And you're just high, right? It's not there isn't any, there isn't any for me, and I know there is for other people because they're they've made associations with the needles, but for me it. It's like you just put one needle in. I don't want to do anything. Just put one needle in and I'll enjoy the high for 10 minutes. You know, that sort of thing. So it's kind of a different thing. The other kinds of kinks that I think of that have nothing to do with BDSM. So exhibitionism. If you like to have sex in front of other people or um, voyeurism, if you like to watch. Um, That is true. Cross-dressing. Absolutely. You, know, you can incorporate it in a power dynamic. You can incorporate it in a BDSM scene, but they're kinks that stand alone on their own. And so um, people are into different things. I've got a question here. It's like, if you do something, if you start doing something kinky, is it like a gateway drug? Does that mean you're going to get into more and more intense stuff the longer no. you go on? Not entirely. I mean, there, there are people who will tell you in a heartbeat that, you know, they'll, they'll be there. There's sometimes there's a, there's a school of thought, and I think there's a meme that's always floating around, and they always say it's it's only kinky the first time, you know, that type of thing. So there can be a lot of people who do subscribe to that. They like they 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 don't mind doing it here and there, you know, birthdays and anniversaries or vacation sex, so to speak, or whatever the case may be, you know, that in and of itself is a kink uh, in, a, in a manner of speaking, too, because they get to do things in a foreign location that they would not typically want to do at home. That in and of itself can be uh, described as a kink. So there's that in that particular regard. Um, when it comes to... Um, when it comes to those, when it comes to those kinks that are that are not associated with uh, domination and submission, whether it's a set of masochism or anything along those lines, sometimes it's just a matter of uh, taking some of the taking some of the things that normal people would not understand until you give them an idea of what it looks like, even with them doing something sexual. People say they don't want to be barehanded. They don't want to be spanked with bare hands because they associate it with something from a, a child, a trauma, so to speak. But those same people have no problems having their ass spanked while they're having sex because at that point they're not thinking about it. All they're caring about is what it feels like while they're enjoying what right. they're enjoying. Right. And that's probably one of the most common kinks in the population these days. You know, it's more, yeah. you know um, upwards of, of, of 30% have spanking as a regular part of their um, sexual practice. And um, I think it was the, the last survey I saw was close to uh, 60% of at least tried it and enjoyed it at some point in their sexual lives. So it's become something that people don't even really think about as kinky anymore. You know, right. like, oh, yeah, spanking. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, whatever. Right. Wow. Um, of course, it depends on how the spanking is done. And, and, and that's the other thing, which is that one of the cool things about all of this for me is that, is that you can make it new again, right? It, it doesn't have to be, oh, well, I've done that now and I've done that. Because, I mean, even in spanking, if you think of all the different ways in which you can spank someone, 
True. Without picking up implements, like just like let's keep it to hands and not pick up implements. I can think of a dozen different ways you can do that without even straining. So it yep. would be different every time. Agreed. But it's a it's not necessarily a matter of using the usual usual location. Sometimes it's just a matter of sometimes if it's a new location that you didn't mm-hmm. expect to be as what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the the the. Zones that you didn't expect to be erogenous zones, um, you know, as far as that is. Some people don't realize certain places can be as such when you're when you're actually putting hand to flesh. But because everybody associates barehanded spanking with hand to bottom, as opposed to different locations on the body can still be utilized in such instances. Uh, you know, it can be, it, it can it can. Uh, create a wholly different experience, meaning it can also kind of take away some of the mundane. Yep, yep, and it's and it really is about being creative, um, which is one of the joys of kink is there's the ability to be creative and to think about um, how can I create a sensation that's going to give somebody pleasure because that's the whole this whole thing is about pleasure. So we're a couple minutes from break again, believe it or not. Um, and I want to make sure that we, we sort of talk a bit about, you know, where people can find information or what people need to be concerned about, what they need to watch for. And also, um, I'll see if anybody asks me about some of the more unusual kinks, because people usually ask me, you know, um, I'm sure somebody will ask, what's the strangest kink you've ever heard of? Um, so we'll, uh, I'm going to poll you for your strangest. I'll tell you mine when we come back. Um, that's when we need to think about. But um I think, you know, like main consideration we really brought up at the beginning of this. And so I reemphasize what's most important is that you communicate well with your partner, that you negotiate and you gain you gain clear consent. Um, and that's the bottom line. And remember that people can um, make mistakes or things maybe not go so well. And that you, you may not have violated consent, but you thought something was going to be fun and you're in the middle, you know, you get into it. And it's like, oh, I don't like this. Right. Very true. And that isn't something that you blame the other person for. You chalk it up to experience. You know, um, it's it's remembering that along with consent comes responsibility. So we should be back um, in a couple of minutes after some words from our sponsors. If you've got questions, do write them in. This is your last chance this week. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. 
Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. This is part four and the final part of K is for kink. And I am with the incredible Pharaoh Kafra. And before the break, I said we were going to each answer the question, what's the most unusual kink you've ever heard of? <laughs> um, God, I say... That's a difficult question to be real. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the only thing. I mean, you've got there are there are those that have a. I, I guess it's I guess it's a matter of kink and fetish being kind of interchangeable in this particular regard. Um, you know, you've got those that that cry from orgasm. You know, that that's a dacrophilia fetish. Right. You know, dacrophilia kink, so to speak. Um, then of course, you know, then of course the ones that are considered outside the norm as far. As water sports are concerned, um, you know, being able to uh, play in, you know, play in, um, in, in human excrement um, as far as scat is concerned. I mean, it, it's a lot of those uh, that are out there, although they are very, very, very much, uh, I won't say underground. They just, they, they keep to themselves because they know that a lot of people just really are not into that type of kink. Well, um, scat, scat pe- people with scat tend to keep to themselves. Water sports is kind of, Although a lot of people will be like, oh, but it's actually kind of quite accepted in, in a lot of different places. It's not, it doesn't have the same connotation anymore um, than it did, you know, um, 30, 40 years ago. But it also, it never had the same connotation in the gay community. So it's much more, um, much more prevalent in the um, uh, gay male community. Um, and so it's just kind of crept into um, the hetero community yeah, much more slowly. Um, there's, I know we ran into, we've run into as of lately, there's been the degradation and humiliation, fed, uh, uh, humiliation kinksters. Um, they get off on that on so many levels. It's not even funny. Um, so there's that as far as that is, um, I've seen, uh, uh you know, the adult baby kink. Yeah. No, um, see, that's more unusual. So, you know, somebody who is wanting to be, you know, wanting to wear a nappy, wanting to be uh, breastfed, wanting to be looked after as though they were still a baby is more unusual than, for example, water sports as okay. adults. But in Japan, there's like all these great gradations of water sports. And, and I mean, there, there are like specific fetishes, like, and, you know, wetting the pants is a specific fetish. They, they divide the, the area up. Um, because humiliation is something that in Japanese culture, 
humiliation fetishes are far more prevalent. Yes, very much which so. Is, which is a, it's a cultural thing. Um, I think one of the more unusual ones that I've heard of, I've, and I've met somebody who was into, was objectophilia, which, which is the fetishizing of objects. Mm -hmm. um, now, I don't know if you ever watched Boston Legal when it was on, uh, but for those of you who watched Boston Legal, there was a whole um, um, storyline about objectophilia, and there's this woman who's in love with a telephone box, um, and then she's then she um, has an affair with she finally has a relationship with a man and she has an affair on him with an iPhone. Um, right. And so everybody makes fun of it. But it does, in fact, exist. It's an actual fetish. And there are people who um, only want sexual contact with objects. Sometimes those objects do have human um, characteristics. So dolls, sex yeah. dolls. But um, and then, but many times they don't. Um, and it, it can be quite difficult for someone looking in to figure out, well, what's what's fun about this? Why is this? Well, I think that's been a, that's been a whole situation that's that in a lot of instances, it's actually become it's actually becoming more uh, normalized. I can't say accepted. I say normalized it yeah. would be would be the better term, the better word to use in this regard, because there was a whole article with regard to a uh, a couple who actually incorporated a sex doll as a part of their uh, as a part of their own uh, unique version of a triad. Um, right, that was their relationship. The doll right. was the third. Yeah, the doll was the third, as opposed to an actual human being, because there it, it, it gave them it gave them both the ability to attach feelings to that particular inanimate object, but that inanimate object does provide a. Um, a pleasing detail in the sense that th that she was a very attractive uh, and very physically pleasing um, doll in that particular regard. But at the same time, it did give them the ability to, um, I guess in a lot of instances, it gave them their own version of a poly situation. Although on the outside looking in, people are going, what the fuck? Yeah, no, really. They see what the fuck is that? Just doesn't seem like. Yeah, because I, I promise you, within the within the key circles, yeah, it's gonna be something that's still gonna kind of turn the side eye. But if you put that in mainstream America, they're gonna go, wait a minute, the hell is wrong with you? But yeah. at the same time, we still have, you know, we still have people who actually utilize, uh, in in the in the science fiction world that, yeah. that utilize robots in a lot of different. Uh, interpersonal relational dynamics. So if they can do it in sci-fi, why wouldn't it be okay from a from a from a sexual perspective, so to speak? Absolutely, and I, and I think one of the things that um, that um, we try, I try very hard not to do, and I think, um, and I'm sure you do too, is yuck other people's yums, right? Yeah. Like. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to understand why somebody might be into it or something that that a person is into. I, I use water sports as an example. Um, there are a lot of people who, who are like, oh, God, right? But, you know, we often have our desires before we understand social conventions. Sure. Our desires are separate. So it's worth remembering that. And if it's not for you, just keep moving along, you know? Um, that's the thing that we've been trying to, we've been trying to get people to, sort of sort of do so to speak what we don't what we try to we've tried our best to so to try and be outlaw in the sexual aspect however mm -hmm. 
what ends up happening is in their in the in their in the intent to try and be on the outlaw side of the situation, we're still trying to conform even within the outlaw aspect. So Absolutely. that becomes its own oxymoron, I guess is the word. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 a, it's a paradox that people just don't want to. Ex- they don't want to explain. They don't want to do it. They they can't adjust to it, and it's just crazy in and of itself. So you're just looking at it from a perspective of okay, yes. They do what they do. They enjoy what they enjoy. As long as nobody's getting hurt, I'm good with you. Right. So believe it or not, we are actually three minutes from close. Could you please tell people how they can find you? The primary way to find me, even though I have, uh, uh, the primary way to find me would be through my website um, from the author's perspective at ShakirRashawn.com. Uh, that is S H A K I R R A S H A A N dot com. Um, all of my social media uh, is attached to that site, so you can easily find me there. Um, and then, of course, as you're there, you can poke around and see what you're dealing with on that as well. And I can highly recommend heading out there and um, just reading everything he's written. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining us this week. Um, next week, it'll be L is for Lube with Raylene Toskoski, and I'm really looking forward to that. I have a book coming out. My erotic memoir is going to be out um, sometime within the next couple of weeks, so watch this space. Um, and um, if you are interested in finding out what I'm doing, um, I'm doing because we're all in this situation where we're staying at home. I'm doing a lot of online stuff with a lot of uh, free content and a lot of free courses. Um, email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. That's L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H at D-R-L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-B-I-S-B-E-Y.com. I look forward to seeing all of you next week. Please stay safe and well and be creative. I know a lot of us are still working really hard. It's not like a vacation. For some people, it's a holiday. But a lot of us are still working hard. But we're having more time around the people we love. So be creative. Why not try something a little out of the ordinary in the next week or so? Try something kinky, something you wouldn't normally do, because that's how we're going to define it. Kinky is something you wouldn't normally do. Have a great week. We hope you learned something today. But if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to Lori Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of The A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Voice America Health and Wellness. See you next week. <laughs>